God is good, amen? It's good. It's good to worship out here. I don't know, does it ignite your worship like it does me? I don't know, I just, being able to look around and just see, you know, turkey vultures, I mean, it's just so inspiring. Um, anyway, it's so good. Uh, my wife told me, and I forgot earlier, so I'd better do it now, because she, she didn't talk to me when I went back and sat down, so that's a sure sign that she's like, you didn't do what I told you to do, and so you better do it. Anyway, so I'm doing it now. Uh, Debbie was saying that uh, for VBS, uh, there's, we have already have 85 students signed up. Um, I we've got a few weeks, a couple of weeks here before uh, we get going, which is great. That's good news. Uh, but we will, we, we could use more helpers. So if you have not volunteered yet, you thought, ah, I'm taking this year off, knock it off, okay? Because we need you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so if you know uh, someone who's not been volunteering or hasn't helped, or if you, that's you, then please uh, let Debbie know. We, we certainly could use some more uh, bodies to handle all those kids. Otherwise, she's going to throw them all at me. So it'd be great. Uh, all right. So uh, this morning, uh, back in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, again, yeah, I know, that's right, we got all the way to chapter 3, and now what are you doing, Pastor? Yeah, we're going back to chapter 1. So uh, we're going to spend a little bit more time in chapter 1 this morning to look at God's creation, because we haven't looked at this, we've just been looking at the character and nature of who God is, right? And spend a lot of time talking about things that stretch our brains and make our, heart, our brains hurt, and we try to understand it, we can't understand it, and then we get frustrated because we can't understand it, and then we go, okay, God, fine, you can be mysterious, we'll let you, right? Uh, but now we're going to go back and we want to take a look at some of the thing, you know, this uh, today, his creative acts, because Genesis 1 gives us a lot of information about his creation and the fact that he's a creative God. And uh, it's interesting because we find ourselves in a community right now, a culture right now, that actually really highly respects nature. Right? I mean, uh, they really think a lot of trees. They think a lot of animals. They look, think a lot of birds and, and, and whales and, and, and anything that's in the sea, fish. I mean, they, they have a really high value on nature. Uh, they, they really kind of see nature as being something almost a bit holy, right? That, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's set apart that, that nature is, in essence, kind of like the true good in our world. You know, that, that, that nature is the natural systems that are in place in nature. That, that we should just let nature be nature because when nature is nature, it's, that's the best possible experience we can have on the globe, right? I mean, when nature gets to just do what it does naturally, then it's all good. And, and so there's this innocence that is given to nature, that the nature isn't, you know, like, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And so we as human beings need to step back and let nature be nature. Matter of fact, uh, there's, there's a sense of, in, in our culture especially, of d demanding that we protect nature. You know, that, 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 that nature is pretty fragile, and we human beings have really messed it up. And so we need to do all we can to protect nature, allow nature to get back to the way it was. Matter of fact, if it wasn't for humans, right? I mean, nature would be just thriving, but it's because of humanity, which is kind of interesting and curious, you know, in a sense, right? Because humans, they also say, are basically products of nature. We just chance, we just kind of happen about it, and yet now we're the kind of the virus of nature as well. And so they're calling us as human beings, we need to back off, we need to uh, limit ourselves, limit our growth, limit what we do and our impact in this world, and allow nature to be nature because it's holy, it's good, it's if we just let it do its thing. 
Uh, so basically, we have a culture that kind of worships nature. That nature is seen as being the source of all life. And that we all are dependent on nature. It's, it's, if it wasn't for nature, we wouldn't have life. And so we need to make sure we serve nature to show proper respect. That the key to survival for any creature in the world is for it to be untamed, to be just naturally what it does. And, and again, this goes to humanity as well, where we are told that we need to allow our natural cravings to just kind of flourish and to, to give in to those natural cravings because those are natural, those are cravings, those are good things and that we should do those, except for when those natural cravings go and destroying other nature, right? <laughs> then that's a problem. The interesting thing about this perspective in our culture in regards to nature is that it is ultimately unlivable. It's depressing, and it's a fatalistic perspective on life, right? Because if life has no true meaning, if it's just all natural processes, right? If it just all just naturally came about and it came about by chance, then life has really no meaning. And if there's no meaning, then why do we even strive to maintain life? What's the purpose Matter of fact, all unwanted human life should be eliminated. And this is why we have things like abortion in our community. Why have a life if it's unwanted? It's also why we have things called uh, uh, euthanasia. There's a certain point where, you know, well, they're really not, that life's not very valuable anymore, so we should just get rid of it. If life is unwanted, then we should eliminate it. This is depressing. It's unlivable. We can't really live this way. And that's the reality. But in the beginning, God, right? But in the beginning, God. Again, this changes everything. This changes the perspective. The world wants to start with nature. They want to start with the nature, heavens and earth were created. They, they want to start with heaven and nature happened. They want to start with heaven and nature, but they don't want to start with God. But scripture tells us clearly, the beginning of things started with God. In the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. He is the one who is the source of all life. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is kind of hard to find sometimes. You know, it's way in the beginning, you know, where it's like you know, all these blank pages and other things. Like, where is it? There it is. Okay, got it. So Genesis chapter 1, let me just read a few verses because I want us to get, you know, the flow. Hopefully you've read this. Uh, I've read it a bunch <laughs> this year, and I, and I hope you will read it with me uh, over and over again because every time you read it, it kind of just drives home these realities again and again. So let me just read a few verses here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God, God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. 
God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. There was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters they were gathered, that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruits, fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. Goes on to talk about the birds of the sky and creating them. I love birds, right? You guys have been getting a lot of that bird stuff, right? And then the, the, the fish of the sea, God created there. And then the, the, the animals and the crawling, creeping things on the earth, God created those as well. We have a God who created a massive creation. I love the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan. And, and if he's got a video kind of uh, study that goes with that book. And at the beginning, I think it's one of the first chapters, he does this, you know, universe kind of blown up thing, right? Where, you know, he starts on earth and then he gets further and further away from the, from the earth and shows just the expanse of the universe. Unbelievable. All that God has created. But here's the thing, when God created, he created with purpose. This is not an accident. Nothing around us is an accident. Nothing happened just by chance. It all was done purposefully. Notice that God spoke each of these things into existence. And, and, and the, think about this, this is important. Like, it's not like God like, started something and he goes, whoa, I, I didn't expect that to happen. Oh man, oh man, I kind of started a fire and it just took off and I, now I don't know. Wow, that's way bigger than I ever thought that was gonna happen. No, none of that is the process of how God created. God created with his words. In other words, he was very specific about the things that he created. He started with light, certainly, but then he went on with this, this, the earth, right, and, and the waters and the seas, and then he put things in the seas and things on the ground, growing plants and animals and birds. He, he did it all with his voice, which means that it was purposeful, each aspect of creation. He spoke into existence what he wanted as he wanted it. Every species has been spoken into existence by God. Every species has its source of creation from God. We see that God has ordained this amazing diversity. The diversity did not come about as a result of mutations in the genetic code. 
God didn't start with a little pool of mud and then out of that came all of the life that we have today. No, God spoke every species specifically into existence. It was on purpose, but it was also with love. God created because it was good and because he was good. God created all of this for good. It's not meant for evil. He didn't create so that we could suffer. He didn't create so that the world could be destroyed. He didn't create so that things would be bad and ugliness and sin would reign. He created because it was good. He created for our good, for all of creation's good. He didn't create for pain. He didn't create for suffering. He didn't create for destruction. He created to bless us And that we would flourish and that we would enjoy abundance. When he gets into the, to the fish and the birds and the animals over and over again, he says, be fruitful and multiply. That it was good, that it was going to fill the earth. The idea is that, that, that each of these species would multiply and, and, and experience abundance. That the plants and the trees would multiply and have abundance. All of it was good and for our blessing and to glorify him. But the question comes, if we have this intelligent creator who created with purpose and with love, how did he do it? You know, and, and sometimes we get struggle with this, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this and the details. But there's three things that I want to point out. First of all, he created out of nothing. He created out of nothing. In other words, before creation, he was the only existence that was there. There was no other existence. He was the only thing that, that, that was alive. There was the only thing that was anywhere. There was nothing else in all of the world because there had been nothing else created but God. Not the world, the creation you can't even use. It wasn't universe, it was nothing there. It was just God. And out of nothing, not having other things to draw from, he didn't have like a, a pile of bricks in the corner. He said, oh, I'm going to use those to make the world or, you know, a pile of dirt or whatever. No, he, he, there was nothing. God created out of nothing. Matter, all these rocks, grass, everything has been created by God. He created matter. He created space. He created time. He created it all. It's also to understand that meaning that he, he created out of nothing. Sometimes we can think that, well, he created out of himself. Like, you know, he used pieces of himself in order to create. No, he, he can't do that. Okay? God is simple. He can't be broken into parts. And so God didn't just like take substances out of himself in order to create. He created something that had never existed before. This is the kind of God that we have, which leads to the next point that he created out of his power. God is powerful. He's able to create whatever he wants. He, he's able to, he has the power to be able to create anything that he wants as he wants it. He has enough power. There was nothing that he's like, oh, I wish I could make, you know, a bigger tree in that amphitheater that would grow in a year so that the amphitheater would have amazing shade like right away, right? He, there's nothing like that where like, ah, I wish I could have done that. No, anything that he wanted to do, he could do. He had the power to do it. However, 
he did have some limits in what and how he could create. And the limits are based in his character. He could not create evil. He could not create an individual, a moral being that wasn't free. He couldn't create a being able to receive and give love that wasn't free. See, God uh, had to create that fit within his character, which means that he had to create things that were good, and he did. He created good things. But he also created, had to create, because of free will, he had to create the opportunity for people to make bad choices and to evil things. But that's not how he created it. In this chapter one, what we're seeing all the way through it is it's always good. He gets done with the day, it's good. At the end of all of it, at the end of the sixth day, it's very good. There was no evil. There was no ugliness. There was no pain and suffering at this point. It was exactly as he designed it, exactly the way he wanted it. It was good. Also, we see that God creates out of his own, abil- his own knowledge and wisdom. We have a God who knows everything. And that means that he knows all the possible ways that he could create. He knows all the possible worlds that could be created, even within his character, right? I mean, we talk about, okay, he's got all the power to create, but he's got limits because of his character, so he can't create things like evil, right? So, okay, so he, he still, because of his wisdom, he knows, even without seeing it work out in you know, real time, he knows all the possible creations that could have been created. And he created this one. Now, sometimes we get a little upset with God. We're like, God, why did you make it this way? Especially when life starts going rough. You know, we start facing some struggle in life and pain and, 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 you know, conflict and these kind of things. We can start saying, God, why do I have to go through this? Or why do I have to deal with this? Why why didn't you just make a place where, you know, other people's sins doesn't affect me? Why didn't you just, you know, you could have just taken this and done it so much different, so much better as if we have all knowledge. But the point is, is that we have to recognize that this God who created, our God who created, has perfect knowledge. He knows it all, and he has perfect wisdom. And what he created is the best possible creation that could have ever been created. This is not an experiment. This isn't God's, like, first time. Well, it is, but, you know, it isn't, right? I mean, it's like, ah! let's try this way, you know, and then scrap it and then start over again, scrap it and start. No, this is not an experiment. This is exactly the way God designed it. And the way he designed it in part was for his creation to be in relationship with with itself and with him. We see this amazing reality even in the, uh, the creative creation account in chapter 1 of the unity of creation. We see it continued to play out today, the interdependence of creation. A bee needs pollen in order to survive, but the fruit tree needs a bee to pollinate in order to produce fruit. There's this interplay, this interconnection, this interdependence throughout all of creation. 
That we, we have to kind of consider this in the creation count. That if the plants were, were, were beginning to multiply on the earth in Genesis 1, then there's probably got to be some bugs, insects around, or, or some animals around to help to make those plants fr- uh, uh, produce, right? And those plants to continue to become fruitful. And if the animals are around, obviously they need to have something to eat, the vegetation and all of that. And so there's this interconnectedness between all of creation, but even between humanity and creation, right? I mean, we are part of creation as well. In future sermons, we'll talk more about humanity because we are different than creation, but we also are similar to creation. And where there's an interdependence between us and creation. Matter of fact, what we see in, in creation is that even in chapter one, that we need, and actually in chapter two, we need, uh, the creation needs us to help to manage it, to control it. Because what we see, it seems like, is that, that nature on its own will kind of just go crazy and go wild. And so humanity, in part, was put on creation in order to be able to manage what God had created to help it to be more fruitful. Think about things like irrigation. Uh, You know, I came from an area in Richland, Washington. If you didn't know, there's a desert in Washington state. Most people, you know, it's the evergreen state. Well, not where I came from, right? It's the desert of Washington. It's weird, right? Literally no trees anywhere, okay? I mean, you look around all the, there's, matter of fact, it's got the tallest, uh, tallest treeless mountain, I think in the world. It's like over 3,000 feet and there is not a tree on it. And so, uh, so yet, if you look, there's also this huge river that flows there, actually three rivers that meet, Yakima River, Columbia River, and Snake River. And as a result of irrigation and humanity learning how to pump water out of rivers, these huge rivers, and get them to these dry lands, they actually, this is fertile soil that grows all kinds of amazing crops, even though there's not a tree anywhere. So humanity has made things better as a result of irrigation. Think about pruning. How many of you have seen a, a fruit tree that d- hasn't been pruned, right? I mean, it, can, it gets wild and the fruit becomes smaller and smaller and less tasty and less good. I, we had tr- fruit trees in Richland as well. I had this amazing peach tree that I just loved. But man, it took a lot of time. I had to prune it every year. I had to make sure that I thinned out the fruit in order to get those nice, big, juicy, fuzzy peaches, right? We, so you have to, you know, we as human beings are meant to be able to help manage nature because nature actually on its own kind of, it, it doesn't flourish as like it could. And so there's this interconnectedness between all of creation, but there's also this relationship that needs to happen between us and creation and God. Creation is designed actually to honor God, to worship God. And the way that creation does that is through fulfilling its purpose. You know, we as human beings, we're a little bit different because we have the image of God in us, which allows us to make that choice, that moral choice to follow and worship Jesus. But creation does not have that moral uh, uh, peace, right? They're not created in the image of God. And so they are left not to make a choice to worship God, but in order to worship God through being fruitful, through multiplying, through producing what God had designed them to produce. Nature worships God by multiplying and producing. Humanity worships God by multiplying and having dominion over creation, but also walking with God. 
However, we have this thing today. In Genesis 1, it was all perfect and beautiful. Today, we have this thing called sin that has had a massive impact on all of creation. It's not just on Adam and Eve. Sin has impacted us, or creation as well. You know, we even read in chapter 3 of Genesis. Let's just go there real quick. When talking about the, the, the curse of sin, right, to Adam. And to Adam, God said, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. And so we see that even creation has impact, was impacted by sin. Sin has had a huge impact. It's disrupted creation's purpose. It's disrupted its unity. It's disrupted its, even its diversity. Much We should be putting in much effort as a result. And this is the life, of our, 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 this is the life we strive to live in creation. It's, we seek to diminish the effects of sin. This is the beauty of Jesus, right? This is the beauty of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, that we would be able to come and have the Spirit with us to be able to, to uh, diminish the impact and the effects of sin. And so we can increase and be able to help creation to be purposeful, to be reunited with us and with its, with its uh, creator, and that there would be greater diversity as well. Creation is here because God has chosen it to be here. Purposefully chose to create every species that we have in our world. Plants and trees, birds, fish, animals, even the bugs that you don't like. We had a snake last week up here. Did you guys see that? Yeah. There was a sweet snake up here, yeah, last Sunday. Was there two? Nice. Oh, that's cool. Even God made those things too, right? Purposefully he made them. And he made them for good. All right, worship team, why don't you come up? I just got a couple more thoughts as they do. We are surrounded by a community, a culture that's in the business right now of worshiping nature. Nature is the source of life. Nature is the thing that is, that is, that is the most good. That we need to let nature do its thing because it's more holy than we as human beings are. It's better than us as human beings. But as those who understand and know that creation had to have been created by something else. And those of us who understand what Scripture teaches, we worship God. We worship the one who created it all because he deserves it. What is better? What is greater? The creation or the creator? I don't want to worship the creation because the creation is not worthy of worship, but the creator indeed is worthy of worship. We need to continue to remind ourselves in the midst of this chaos of our world that God is the creator and that we continue to worship him. But more than that, we also need to respect his creation. This is his world. He created it. 
just as he desired it to be. Certainly sin has had its, has its day and it's caused a lot of damage. But we should be careful to respect creation. Recognizing that it is good and that it is for us. That we would honor creation by treating it well, by preserving it well. By using it in order to bring glory to God. And then we also need to be thankful. When was the last time you thanked God for creation? How many beautiful sunsets have you watched? Maybe even, just even, maybe hardly even noticed it as you're driving along, maybe. How many times have you showed up even to this amphitheater and done a worship service here and not thanked God for his creation? And all the things that have come out of creation. I, you know, I was just walking through my house yesterday and I was like noticing like that, you know, the house is actually pretty cool, like temperature wise, like, you know, it's cool because I'm there too, you know, but anyway, <laughs> but temperature wise, it's pretty cool. I'm like, you know what, God, thank you for air conditioning. Oh my gosh, what a blessing. But I also, I just, you know, like I've told you so many times, sitting on my patio, thank you, God, for this amazing view. Thank you, God, for the flowers and the roses. Thank you for the birds. Thank you for the crazy little glowworms. And I don't know where they come from, but they show up in my yard sometimes. I'm like, what is going on? I just thank you for this stuff, right? Can, do we thank God for creation? Do we recognize, do we appreciate it? We need to continue to appreciate all that God has created because he created it with purpose and with goodness to be a blessing, and to be fruitful. Church, let's, let us be known, not only for our worship of God, but also our respect for his creation. Amen? All right. Stand, and uh, we're going to sing another song, and I'll come up with a closing passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are, and that you indeed are the creator of everything. I want to thank you for your word in this book, Genesis, that reveals these key beginnings, that we would have an understanding, that we wouldn't have to just guess at it, we'd have to figure it out on our own, that, Lord, you have revealed to us clearly that you are God and that you chose purposefully to create. And not just create humanity, but create all of creation. We thank you for your amazing provision and goodness and that you did it purposefully but out of love, that you designed creation to be good, to be purposeful, to be in relationship with each other and with you. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize this truth over and over again. Help us not to fall into the trap of our culture that seeks to highlight nature and, and elevate nature above humanity. But also, Lord, help us to respect nature too. Keep us from being the abusers of your creation. Help us to, to serve you well by managing and caring for your planet well. And Lord, help us also to just to continue to remember 
the goodness of creation and be thankful for it each day. And Lord, I just love the words of this song, the bridge song that we sang earlier, and I'm just going to use that as kind of the closing statement. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion times. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Make sure you check out uh, and have a conversation with Wendy if you'd like to help out with CareNet. Uh, also grab a bottle or an envelope on your way out if you'd like to contribute to that. Also, again, VBS uh, meeting here shortly in the auditorium. All right, God bless you guys. Have a great day.